0: Hello, and welcome back to the Everyone's A Football Critic podcast with me, Mr. Zach Palmer, and as always, my co-host, Callum Distin. Callum, we're back.
1: We are, and I could not be happier. I've really missed it. <clears throat> it's been it's been a long while, and I'm, I just can't wait to get get back to ripping into Gareth Southgate.
0: So, uh, are you excited for the World Cup? How are you feeling about it?
1: I am. Um, I am. Uh, as we're going to go on to in a moment, I'm not. Not excited about some aspects of it, Um, but uh, no, I am. I'm really looking forward to it. I've, for many, many of my listeners who know me, although I've recently left my job, um, and there is never a better time to become unemployed than when there's about to be three matches of football every day.
0: Oh, absolutely. Every single game has got to be watched. Um, So should we start there then on some of the questionable aspects of the World Cup? Obviously, as a podcast, we're going to be covering the World Cup. Um, There's obviously some questionable aspects about where it's being held some of the events leading up to the World Cup, in particular to do with the construction of the stadiums. So do you want to just sort of have a quick note on what your thoughts are towards the World Cup being mm. held in Qatar and maybe just some of the rationalizations that you would give to why maybe some you know football fans should <laughs> still be able to enjoy their football guilt free, or, you know, how should we really look at it?
1: Yeah, so I, I think for me, I think no one is in disagreement that the the both kind of the way that Qatar were awarded the World Cup, as Sepp Blatter himself has come out and admitted this week, um, was not okay. Um, It was against all rules and regulations. And I mean, personally, I was pretty surprised that it wasn't stripped from them after it came out, that it was all not okay. Um, There are plenty of nations around the the world that could, on quite short notice, um, host a World Cup with that aside, the, the way that it has been handled leading up to it is again atrocious, kind of the, the number of lives lost, um, just putting up Stadia, <coughs> putting up these temporary like places of accommodation for fans that are going to be going over um, some of the rules and things that fans are being warned of to not do when they're over there um, is just pretty unacceptable, there's not kind of no two ways about it um, my, my justification to fans enjoying it is that it is going ahead. There isn't a lot you can do from over here. You can, <clears throat> you can maybe go on a protest or something. But I really don't. I think it's pretty clear that that makes no difference. Um, on it, on on the World Cup specifically. Um, for, from us, from a podcast perspective, uh, I th- like it, this. We do this because we enjoy it and we love football. Um, this this isn't being monetized. Um, we won't be popular enough <laughs> to get it monetized. But even if we were, like, it wouldn't be. Um, I think some people will. I'm going to name Gary Neville because he's mm. the most prominent one who has spoken out about it, and then been offered a load of money and stopped speaking out about it. Really unacceptable um, and pretty disappointing from someone who I actually thought better of and thought would uh, would be opposed to it when when they came out and questioned him on it personally. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, no,
0: I agree with that. I think that where I fall on it is as as a football fan, generally speaking, I'm I get frustrated. I think when moral issues are placed on fans to have to make a decision about I don't think that that's on the football fan other than being aware of it and I think being responsible for the fact that you know so I think in the case of Manchester City I think Newcastle obviously more recently I think you have to accept that there are problems with the ownership that you have as a fan I think that that is a responsibility but I don't think there is a responsibility there for that falls on the fan to stop supporting their football club. I think that the responsibility is with the authorities to not be awarding groups of individuals like that or in the case of those two clubs states um, the right to own a football club in order to facilitate sports watching and I think that that's exactly what the Qatar World Cup is an example of. As you say, there's numerous um, examples of wrongdoing in how they were awarded the World Cup and then also how they have facilitated holding the World Cup in their country as well um, so yeah there's uh, there's no hiding from the fact that it's despicable but I think the moral responsibility falls for someone other than those watching the game so I, I would encourage people to obviously read up about it uh, to be aware of the problems that are present in Qatar and the problems that there are with how they were awarded the World Cup but I would say that you're still obviously entitled to Enjoy the football as uh, as best you can. So, I think that's what we'll be doing. We'll be trying to obviously cover the World Cup in an interesting way. Again, we're going to be looking at England predominantly, um, but we will obviously touch on all the other teams as well, as as and when the round of games come. So, um, yeah, what are we talking about today, Carl?
1: Yeah, well, I guess that kind of leads quite nicely into our plan going forward for the World Cup um, before today. The kind of the, the plan is you'll obviously be well this will come out on Friday the 11th um, then whenever you're listening to this uh, we're planning on releasing again on the 18th with some um, group predictions and kind of general World Cup predictions as we did last year and then the aim is an episode after every full round of games um so kind of groups and then you get you obviously you're on the 16 quarter finals yeah semis final everything um just kind of <clears throat> after them as soon as we can. Um, and before the next round, ideally. Uh, today specifically is uh, we're recording on the afternoon the 10th. Um, Gareth Southgate has just announced his squad and we have many thoughts <laughs> on it. <laughs> so so thought now would be an ideal time to get back into it.
0: Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk through some of the major talking points and I think we're going to just kickstart with a brief chat about the goalkeepers. Cal, you've got some thoughts on goalkeepers.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I will keep it brief because, to be honest, even with my most biased Sunderland cap on, I, I I think it's mental if anyone has any opinion other than Pickford should be starting. Um, it goes without saying he has the best distribution. Uh, <clears> There's <throat> a few stats on that on, on going on pass percentage. Um, Ramsdale is highest. However, that's a little skewed when you bring in the um, launch percentage. So that is the percentage of um, balls that are like in the air rather than ground passes, where Pickford is about fifteen percent more than Ramsdale, uh, and about eighteen percent more than Pope of theirs. Um, <coughs> Pope has by far the worst distribution, um, which we, we all know that's how Southgate wants to play his yeah. um, his team. He needs someone who can pass. Um, Pope is good getting off his line. He is one of the best in the league at getting off his line, and sort of has the highest rate of defensive actions outside the box in the league um <clears throat> but they tend to be kind of getting off his line and clearing it making tackles which is great but it's not how southgate wants to play his um players game uh, on on shots and kind of shot stopping pickford has the highest save percentage at 82.6 pope is closely second at 80.8 and the ramsdale is considerably behind on 71.4 um to go a bit deeper on the post shot uh, xg difference so that is after a player shoots um, the ex- the expected goals. So expected goals is the likelihood of it going in and then post shot kind of takes into account the sort of shot. So it's more relevant for goalkeepers than attackers. Um, Pickford is at a plus 3.9. So positive is better, meaning he saved 3.9 more goals than he'd be expected to. Pope is at plus 1.7 and Ramsdale is at minus 0. 0.2, which is really considerably worse than I expected Ramsdale to be mm-hmm. actually when I was looking in the numbers this afternoon. Um, <clears throat> and taking stats out of it, just going going for the eye, like, just talking a bit about it, Jordan Pickford has been England's number one for years now, Um, has never put a foot wrong for England. Um, Personally, I think he gets a bit more stick in the Premier League because of a poor season he had a couple of years ago. Mm. He's made very, very few errors in the Premier League over the past two seasons. Um, I don't really see this one being much of a debate.
0: Yeah. Would you have any concern about the fact that Ramsdale has probably been playing in a more possession-heavy team in Arsenal that have been dominating the ball and playing very well recently, whereas I think it would be fair to say that Everton under Lampard this season have probably been a little bit more conservative, have probably been a bit more willing to go direct. Um, Do you think that Pickford will be okay sort of dropping back into playing a sort of more possession-based and style of football that Southgate is probably likely to to utilise in the World Cup?
1: No, I think that's a fair question. Um, I personally, I don't expect him to have any problem with that, really, because to be honest, like he's done it really, really well for England the past uh, World Cup, Euros, like every game he's ever had for them. Really, um, I <laughs> Everton maybe a little different under Ancelotti, but Everton haven't really ever been that possession mm. ball playing side, despite what Benitez may have attempted to implement. Mm. Um, and he's consistently played. Behind quite a shaky defense under every Everton manager he's been under, um, I, I I really don't see that being an issue. And and I guess my counter to that, even if it were slightly, um, Pope is by far and away the worst distribution wise. Um, Ramsdale is by far and away the worst shot stopper. I like personally, I think and and I think the numbers back up that Pickford is the best at both categories but you can kind of only make the argument one way for each of the other ones. So Hmm. overall, I really, don't see another choice. Yeah, I
0: think that's fair, and I completely agree. I think Pickford, undisputed number one. I think Ramsdale (laughs) has been quite inconsistent, even with the stuff that he's quite good at. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that that's completely fair. Pickford number one. And I think I would be fair in saying that in terms of having Pope and Ramsdale as the backup options, though, that's completely fair. I don't think there's any other Mm -hmm. options really... Okay, excellent. Um, so I guess we're now going to sort of go through some of the major talking points, but for each kind of category of players. So we'll start with the defenders. Um, the first thing, I guess, on everyone's mind is that there's no Tamori in the squad.
1: Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pretend to have watched every <laughs> every game this season for Milan. Um, but I do think, and, and again, I don't think you can really in it, in itself judge players off the merits of their team. But to a degree, to a degree you can. And in certain roles like that, um, Tamori won the league with AC Milan last season. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the, the player I'd drop personally is Conor Cody. Um, I know Harry Maguire is Harry Maguire, but again, he's one of these players who's never put a foot wrong for England. And I can see the merit of having him in the dressing room. Um, Conor Cody's been in a pretty shaky, evident def- defence um, as kind of meant to be the leader of that, really. He's meant to be a leader. And, hasn't been um, Tomori uh, I think my my bigger issue with Tomori I kind of I wasn't that surprised that he wasn't in the squad my bigger issue with him not being in is that he hasn't and I know he has played a few times in friendlies he hasn't played much for England and that's what we said last time about the squad again when he came up about um, it, it's more an error leading up to the World Cup than an error right now of not having him in the squad because you 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 don't throw someone in who hasn't been in and around it, because it's the experience and getting them to know the players and balance and everything. And he, he just, for me, he hasn't, Southgate has been quite poor at blooding young players to the the degree that they need to be to get them in the squad. I think he is very much, he's fine, he's a good man manager, but that's because he has his favourites and keeps them happy and is quite reluctant to that change and bringing in new players as has been evidenced. I mean, I would say his whole reign, even when he has done well, I think that is something that you could say consistently about him as England manager
0: yeah so I completely agree I think that where we're at is that I think it's a particular problem at centre-back I think for for one because I think we have a problem with depth at centre-back anyway England in terms of quality the fact that we haven't utilised enough of the promising players that are available to us is a problem as you say it means that you you know handcuff yourself I guess when it comes to actually making the decision at Leading up to major tournaments, he's kind of felt like he's forced to select players that he is familiar with, but purely because he hasn't given other players the opportunity. You know, Tomori, I think, being the main one, but even like Mark Mark Gay, he probably should have played more. I think Chris Smalling had a shout to come back in after having a cracking season last year with Roma as well. So I think that that's kind of frustrating, particularly because I think, obviously, in the case of uh, Tomori, he. he started 30 games for Serie A winners last year. You've got a player that has been comfortable playing as an outside centre-back in a three, has then transitioned to being very comfortable as playing in a back four, as one of the centre-backs, obviously. Um, And what you have with him is someone that is an incredibly aggressive defender. And I don't think we have many of those really proactive defenders in the squad. I think the most proactive one that we have is probably someone like Harry Maguire, who obviously right now, I think, Form wise, confident wise, you know, it's in the toilet. In terms of replacing that kind of characteristic of player, someone that's going to step up, someone that's going to crunch into tackles, try and intercept early, and also carry the ball forward from the back, uh, as well as being very comfortable passing from deep as well, I think Tomorrow is exactly what you want. Um, arguably, he's maybe a little bit too aggressive. Per Opta, he's in the 97th percentile for uh, tackles per 90, which on the face of it looks very good, but it also arguably shows a centre-back that is having to do a lot of recovery stuff rather than necessarily getting his positioning right early on Um, but ultimately I think when you watch him and you kind of take that stat and apply it alongside the eye test I think that what you see is a a very proactive defender that's keen to to get stuck in and get involved and is going to try and win the ball back early Um, that sometimes is you know, it's a kind of risk reward thing, right? I mean, sometimes that works out, sometimes it doesn't, but I think it's a really useful characteristic to have in the squad. And it gives you a different option, particularly if you want to flick between the back four and the back five. The Southgate has obviously done a fair bit.
1: Having players who can play comfortably in a four and a three is is really important, actually, because we, like you say, we have played, we seem to be just the three. Well, I'm not going to call it a three under Southgate, it's a five. Um, in a five Uh, and it's it's helpful being fluid it's helpful having those players who are just as comfortable in one role as they are in the other and i yeah i I would question if conor cody (laughs) can do that for example
0: yeah no and i think again conor cody i think i think he's been okay for everton this year in a system that puts a lot of pressure on those two center backs and i mean I, I think he's looked okay. They've had a lot to do. It's a lot of sort of um, camping on the edge of the box and kind of defending quite deep, which, again, I just I don't know how often we're going to need to be doing something like that. I don't know if he's the sort of defender, particularly because he's a backup choice, right? I think you want someone that is maybe a little bit more of a like-for-like like replacement with someone in the squad. And I just think that actually as well, even age-wise, it makes sense to maybe start bringing a younger centre-back to sit on the bench at a major tournament now. If neither of them are, you know, if the, if the decision, I don't know what Southgate's, again, what his um, thinking was, but if the decision was between, you know, say, Tamori and Cody directly, for for example, which I think it probably was, or maybe between him and Dyer, something like that, if it was, you know, one or the other between, well, two of those three, um, I think that what you have with and Cody and Dyer are two older centre-backs that aren't going to play much at the tournament. With Tomori, you have a younger centre-back who you might actually want to be relying on at the next World Cup in, well, three and a half years' time, given the placement of the tournament this time around. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I think that if you're talking about backup options, I, I would argue that Tomori is a better centre-back than Cody or Dyer. I think he also fits what the squad needs more ably. And also, I think it would be a sensible long-term investment. So uh, I think it's a bit of a shame. Um, but I think that probably covers off the centre-backs. The other thing I think we're talking about when it comes to defence is, obviously, with Chilwell's injury, we are incredibly light at left-back. We've got Luke Shaw as the only natural left-back in the squad. Do you think that this is going to be a concern for us? Would you have opted to cover for that in a different way? Are there any left-backs available that you would have taken?
1: This uh, This is... This is the thing if Chilwell were fit there's no question he's yeah. the starting left back but even the other people who the other the left backs you think about who have been playing consistently in um in the Premier League this season there isn't anyone but the, the names that comes to your head are sort of um <laughs> uh what's his name at um Crystal Palace Tariq Mitchell, Tariq Mitchell yeah. Henry's been playing for Brentford um has got some games in for Spurs but not, not really at no, a left
0: back. No, left wing very, back, I think the, it's a very it's a different, different
1: very different role. There isn't there aren't that many options. We are very light as a nation in that position. Um I would be and we'll discuss our sort of ideal starting elevens in a bit, but I I value the left foot at left back, so personally would be starting Luke Shaw there. Um Rather than Trippier, despite despite the fact that he he can play left back, he is not naturally a left back. Um, and I think we value. I don't know. I think we lose more, especially from someone like Trippier, who is in such good form, playing him at left back than we do having it like. I think we lose more not having him at right back. Yeah. Than it's worth. Possibly. No,
0: I I agree with that, and I think in terms of alternatives, I think Cessignon is the only one that really had a shout and. I would have said take him if we were going to play the, with five at the back every game in the tournament, but I just don't see that being likely. I imagine we line up in a sort of 4 2 3 1 type formation more often than not. So I can't see Session on being left back in a back four. So I think not including him makes sense. And then, yeah, as you say, I think we just hope that Shaw sure, A stays fit and B has a good tournament and we rely on. Trippier to fill in over on that side if we do need him to because um, yeah the other English players that have been playing at left back beyond Tyreek Mitchell who I just don't think is ready for a, a World Cup to be honest you've got someone like James Justin who is another right footed player but is playing at left back who I think has been fine this season but I think Leicester have been atrocious so it's quite difficult to tell exactly how he's been getting on and then I guess the other one is Carl Walker-Peters who I th- believe is injured right now anyway so but again another right footed player that's played played a lot on the left-hand side, but yeah, um, I don't think he would really suit. Okay, so then I think that that covers defenders, so let's crack on with midfield. I think that probably the two main talking points here are the inclusion of Calvin Phillips and Connor Gallagher. I think in the case of the former there, you've got a player that has obviously had had a big move to Man City, has struggled a bit with injury on the one hand and also hasn't really been involved that much even whilst fit. So mm-hmm. the question marks about whether you should take someone that's played so many, sorry, so few minutes uh, in the run-up to the tournament. And then the other one is Conor Gallagher, who had an excellent season with Palace last year, back at Chelsea, wasn't favoured by Tuchel, seems to be getting a little bit more of a resurgence under Potter, but you know that is a bit of a work in progress there as Potter figures out what to do at Chelsea. And also, I don't think Conor Gallagher is good. Conor Gallagher has been particularly good, as good of a player as I think he is. So again, what do you think about those two inclusions, Cal? Would you have brought them? Is there anybody else that you think they're kind of stealing a place from?
1: <clears throat> so uh, for me, I think it, to be honest, it's the same issue with Phillips as it is Gallagher with minutes played. I was having a look mm. earlier and I didn't actually realise how just how little Conor Gallagher's played. So he's in terms of sort of ninety minutes, he's completed four and a half. So four and a half full games is all he's played all season. Um, I haven't looked into it specifically, but I'd imagine a good chunk of that is off the bench. Yeah. Um, like you say, <laughs> Chelsea are very much a work in progress at the moment. They've suffered some heavy, heavy defeats, and while Conor Gallagher is obviously a good player, he he's not been at his best this season. I think there's more merit to including Phillips, who, again, even though he's not played very much this season, we saw his quality at the, the last, at uh, the Euros, we saw, we have seen what he can do in this England team and in the way that Southgate wants to play. Um, he, he, he can be a little bit more, I don't know. He he can sit very well. If rice is being a little bit more progressive in those games where we, where we're playing two defensive midfielders, I kind of, I, I despair at the thought of playing five at the back and two defensive midfielders. Um, but I think he did quite a good job of mopping up, but actually playing some good progressive passes uh, and not just kind of bang it side to side. Um, I, I'm actually, I'm copping out here. I don't know who I would have brought mm. as an alternative. Um, I, I I have more of an issue with Gallagher being there, or I'm more surprised at Gallagher being there than Phillips. And again, it kind of, the the justification for it for me is Conor Gallag- Gallagher is still quite a young player um, in the grand scheme of things. And kind of like we were saying about the defenders, he's not going to be first choice. Realistically, neither of those players are going to be starting. There is some merit to having them in the squad early early on. Um, and I, I kind of... I, I struggled to criticise Southgate for blooding players uh, earlier when I've I've just been criticising him for that, to be honest. Um but I'm sure you're going to come up with some great suggestions of potential alternatives right now and I'll be bowled over and agree.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, um, I wish I could. So I, fundamentally, I agree. I think both are a bit concerning minutes-wise. But I think, as you say, with Phillips having had, I think, you know, a brilliant Euros last time out, I think his inclusion is entirely unsurprising and probably completely fair enough. I think him and Rice do work well together if you do want to play that rather negative style of football. It can be frustrating, but they do have a good... A good uh, relationship there. I think also, as you say, if you just take Rice, I don't think you really have a, another natural alternative in the squad that could play a little bit deeper. I think particularly given Henderson's going and hasn't really played deeper for a while, for one, but also has has been really poor this season as well. I think so. I think you kind of need to hang your hat a little bit on Phillips being able to replicate his form that he had at the last uh, the last tournament. So I think that makes sense. I'm with you that I'm extremely surprised at Colin Gallagher's inclusion. The only thing I can sort of see is that he is a little bit more comfortable playing advanced and in a sort of midfield three type of thing. So maybe uh, Southgate seeing him as a kind of understudy to Mount in that sense, as someone that can kind of do a lot of the hard graft off the ball and maybe he'd be a useful option off the bench for the last 10 minutes to kind of run a team into the ground. So there's potentially that, but I I had a sort of look at alternatives. The only really viable one, I guess, is like Ward-Prowse. And I'm not sure that other than his set pieces. I, I think Wall Prowse is an interesting one because I think that in some ways he's massively overrated because of his set piece taking. But then also I think some people see him as a one-trick pony and slightly underrate what he can do on the ball. I think that basically he's just a fairly average Premier League midfielder. Um, and I think he's probably a little bit too good for Southampton, but not much better than that. And I think that obviously his set pieces are a cheat code, but if he's not good enough to get into the starting eleven, then there's no point having him in the squad for his set pieces because he'll never get the opportunity to take one. So um, I think think it's fair enough. I think it was probably a bit of a coin toss between Gallagher and Ward-Prowse, and I think that ultimately Southgate's probably made a fair decision, as you say, in terms of picking a, a younger player that he thinks probably will be in his squad moving forward over the next few tournaments, and also a player that I think can probably provide something a little bit more user off the bench than someone like Ward-Prowse probably could. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and I guess Ward-Prowse, <clears throat> like you say, his main argument is his set pieces. But quite frankly, when we have someone like Kieran Trippier in the squad who will start most games, they're obviously better. They like Ward-Prowse is without a doubt the best dead ball taker in the league, if not the world. Um, <laughs> there's not enough to warrant bringing him because he like you say he's not going to start it's not good like it's the difference in quality of the dead balls is not good enough to warrant that for me
0: yeah absolutely agreed so moving on to attackers then and i guess we'll talk about first the player that kind of falls between the midfielders and attackers i guess it's difficult to exactly place where he might be viewed by southgate although he's been included in the attacking list although i'm not sure whether we can read too much into exactly where players get listed in the uh in the graphic, but anyway, um, obviously, talking about James Madison, um, slated yesterday that he wouldn't be included in the squad. I think some of the paper talk was suggesting that uh, he obviously has been included. Something of a surprise, I suppose, to some, maybe not so surprising to others. I think a lot of people think that, you know, he should have been in the squad, absolutely no question. So, what do you reckon? Like, are you are you happy he's included first of all, and how do you think Southgate gets the best out of him? How do you, how do you use a player like James Madison, who's on such fine form currently, but maybe doesn't have an obvious place in the England squad to fit into? So I, for me, I'm very
1: glad that he was included. I was <coughs> fairly livid last night when the, the the now fake news came out that he wasn't included in the squad. Um, I've got actually seeing as we're speaking about him i've got this thread which came up on my twitter feed last night which basically gathered all the the data for me so it Mm -hmm. saves me a job Um, i I will give a shout out it's by an account i've not heard before which is at matchday365 we will give him a shout out don't know if they're related to the betting company um but basically just kind of some of the stats uh on madison this season so i'm gonna go through some of that because he is he's in great form he's been fantastic this season for leicester um so he's going off um, expected goals difference. He is one of the most clinical finishers this season. He's third with a plus 6.9 um, goals versus expected goals. Um, his expected assists for ninety per 90 uh, is 0.23. Again, he's in the top 10 for that. Uh, he is seventh for most shot-creating actions this season. Um, he's scored in the past 10 games alone. He scored five goals, got five assists, created six big chances beyond those assists, uh, and has been man the match <laughs> seven times. Um, he, he's he been great. He just has. Uh, he's had 25 goal contributions in his past 34 games. That was um, what I was trying to go off. That's the one that I not, saw that I was trying to find. He, yeah, he, he's he's scoring. He's assisting. He has been great. And he does more than just that. I think he brings a lot to the team um, creatively. I For me i would start him (laughs) i like i yeah he's the type of player who like you say is that hybrid between midfield and attack and i think we have rice is the the defensive midfielder who will be starting and he rightfully so is a quality quality player um we've got we've we've got bellingham who is obviously attacking but kind of a bit more box-to-box kind of cover covers both and I I'd like us to be a bit more aggressive. I think we have the players to do it. Um, I I would play Madison as that third midfielder personally. Um, whether it be as a ten or on the on a on one of the sides of a midfield with um, a single pivot with Rice as the pivot. I I, I would have him straight in my team because he he's been he's been on top form in a really really poor Leicester side as well. Actually, should highlight that Leicester they've won a few games but they. They have not been good this season, um, and regardless of that, James Madison has stood out in every single game.
0: No, absolutely. And I think this isn't obviously the first season where Madison has been in good form. Uh, I think he's he's clearly demonstrated over a fairly sustained period of time now that he is a quality player. Um, I think, you know, obviously, listening to those stats that you've reeled off, I think My concern long-term about that would be that he is overperforming quite a lot of those metrics, and I think that that probably isn't sustainable. I think that's fair enough as well when you watch him. I think he's scored a lot of screamers, um, but I think that what you've got is a player that's just in incredible form right now. He is scoring incredible goals. He's creating a lot of chances in a team that are not playing very well at all. Uh, He's clearly willing to sort of take a take a game by the scruff of his neck even when the rest of his team isn't necessarily playing that well and he can provide a little bit of magic so i think that as the national team you kind of got to take advantage of a player in that sort of form particularly because it probably won't last but, you know i don't think he'll ever have a run like this again so i think that if he can carry this into the world cup and score a few goals then yeah i think his inclusion is absolutely uh, absolutely fair enough i'm not sure I would necessarily go as far as to start him, but we can uh, discuss that obviously when we get on to talking about our uh, ideal 11s. But yeah, I think his inclusion is very sensible and it's good to see Southgate kind of sticking to his word that he has expressed a few times and not necessarily already show- always showed through his actions, but that he will pick on form. Madison is probably the most in-form player in this squad going to the World Cup. I think it would have been silly not to take him, so I'm excited to see in play and I hope he gets a, a fair amount of minutes. I think he's kind of the, the greelish of this tournament. So it'll be interesting to see how much, um, how much use he gets. Yep. Um, so I guess the other thing to talk about attack wise is the striker situation. I think there's been an awful lot of discourse about what strikers might go. So we're talking about backup to Kane. Um, no Abraham, no Tony. Uh, Wilson's going instead. What's your thoughts?
1: Um, so, I have some numbers here, which I'll delve into a little bit. Um, I think for, for me, to start with, the the question is Tony or Wilson. Um, with Abraham, when you kind of look at how he's been this season, and again on on form, um, Tony's scored eight goals, Wilson's scored six, Abraham has scored three. Um, that is despite uh, shots per 90, Tony has 2.46, Wilson has 3.15, and Abraham has 3.24. Um, Abraham is creating a lot of... Oh, he, he is taking good he's having good chances and not scoring um so the non penalty goals minus expected goals so um how how many goals they've scored versus how many goals you would typically think they sc- would have scored uh, tony 0.3 so around around the same uh, wilson minus 0.4 again around the same um abraham minus 3 um he's not been on form this season he's he's not really had a good (coughs) good season attacking wise uh kind of clinical wise he the the role of this player isn't to start games harry kane will be our striker because he's one of if not the best strikers in the world um it's kind of him benzema or Lewandowski really um he he will be starting that, that 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 regardless of what anyone might think he he will be starting this player will be a backup potentially to come on and get you a goal when you need one um i i think again for that that's where form plays into it and you want those form players for me it, it is it's it's fairly tight between tony and wilson but i think that that physicality that tony has gives him the edge he scored um more goals and has been playing in a worse team i think like Uh, really frustratingly, Newcastle have had a very good season (coughs) Um, and and I think it's a credit that Tony has scored as many as he has as well, so I I know I know we'll discuss Rashford in a moment, I'm sure, but if if you're bringing someone as a backup striker and you're only bringing one, because Rashford he can play through the middle, but that isn't really his best role, I don't think anyway, he you need someone you need someone who you can rely on there is a, there is quite a high chance that at some point this World Cup, Callum Wilson will get injured because that's what he does. Um, he is a very good player. I, I've got no no denying that, um, frustratingly good. <laughs> but he he is made of glass. He'll mm. there is a really high chance that he gets injured. And when it's as tight as it is, and I, I think Tony wins it. I think even with this out, I would be going towards Tony, but potentially less less passionately i really think you have to have tony there and he's quite an aggressive player i like that Uh, that, that's me that's not really that's not a numbers thing i just i like a bit more of an aggressive player and especially yeah. yeah especially in that world cup in an international where you want players to be a bit on edge you win games with moments in in a tournament if you get tony if you get him riling someone up go in on them a bit hard if they go back in on him get someone sent off you like you never know it's those little moments that i just i think gives him the edge
0: yeah yeah a little bit of the uh the dark arts is what you're Mm. you're fond of um yeah no i think this is a really interesting discussion um i think that if you're picking on form like we were talking about with madison you take wilson every time i think wilson's absolutely flying can't seem to stop scoring having a great time currently um that concern over his fitness is exactly kind of where i'm at with it i think mostly um, I think, as you say, that there is a chance that even before the World Cup, he gets injured in training, in a game, whatever. And I differ slightly to you in what I think I view the need of this forward to be. I'm less concerned about a someone that can come on and grab a goal in the last ten minutes. I'm cons- I'm more concerned about taking someone that, if Kane had an injury, who can who can most replicate what he does to facilitate the rest of the team still being able to play at a high standard so what I'm interested in is someone that you can hit as a target man someone that can hold the ball up someone that will bring people into play in that kind of way someone that will do the work off the ball I'm less concerned about someone that is gonna come in and be able to maybe score more goals but actually are they even going to get the chances to score that way I'm not sure that Wilson would thrive in this England team I think that that's my concern. Tony maybe could do it. I would probably lean towards you in terms of what you're saying about that. Abraham, no doubt, has had a poor season in front of goal, but I think he's the most similar player to Harry Kane that was available to us. So I probably would have leaned towards taking him, but it's very difficult to justify given his form in front of goal. So equally, I I would have been leaning towards tony as well but to give southgate his due i can't really argue with taking wilson given the form that he's in if you've got a striker scoring that many goals it's kind of hard to to not take him but my concern is that he ends up getting injured and it's either simply just a waste of a a squad place if we can't replace him if it's too late um and even worse if he got injured and kane got injured Think that that's a big concern, whereas I think the other two are less likely to have a an issue physically. Their injury record is, you know, these things can be freaks, but I think that obviously Wilson's injury record is really bad. I think that Kane has had a few issues with his ankles and stuff, which uh, you never know when something like that might go. And more so, he's just such an important player that I think having someone that could come in to deputise for him is uh, is important because there is the opportunity that he just get injured. So, yeah, I am not sure I've really provided an option of what i would actually do there but um i think ultimately i'm I'm worried about wilson's fitness and i'm worried that he doesn't really fit the way that england play um and i'm not sure that he's going to thrive in the way that he's thriving at newcastle right now in this england system and i think that someone like abraham or tony probably would have been able to more seamlessly slip into that system if we were to lose kane that said if Kane stays fit all tournament and Wilson stays fit all tournament, then I think having Wilson is probably the right decision because he can provide something different and he can come off the bench. He is in good goal-scoring form. He probably could nick a goal more likely than the other two. Um, So it really kind of depends what happens with Kane, I think is kind of where I'm at with that.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I kind of, neither of us have said it explicitly, but we've alluded to not comfortable with Rashford. If, If Wilson and Kane were to go down, and Rashford is our only striking option. That's it. <laughs> like, tournament over.
0: Yes, no, I think I think that is a is definitely a problem. Again, I think more it's more a case of kind of system pasting mm. and not facilitating Rashford doing that well as a nine. I didn't mind Rashford's little run as a nine for Man United this season, uh when Ten Hag managed to Convince uh, Lord Ronaldo to sit on the bench for a bit when he wasn't sort of being such a prima donna and demanding to to play every minute of the game. Uh, although he seems to be back in now, and Rashford's is playing off the left, which I think is more to do probably actually with Sancho's injury. But um, but yeah, uh, I, I I think he was better playing as a nine. But you have to really play a sort of counter counter attacking system to get the best out of Rashford as a nine, and I don't see what games, at least certainly not in the group stage, where we're gonna have that sort of space where we're gonna be able to sit in and explode on teams. No team is gonna give us that much space in behind. Most teams are going to be camping and playing quite defensive against us. Um I think we need players in the squad that can work well against a low block. And I think Rashford at nine isn't going to do that. Um but Rashford including the squad absolutely fine because I think he's a good option across that front three. Um, Agreed. a good bench option uh, can fill in in those areas, provide something a little bit different, good ball carrier so I'm absolutely fine with him being included but yeah as an option for nine I'd be worried if he was the only the only one. Right, so I guess then we should just sort of generally sum up, sum up then, where are you at with this squad? Uh, are you happy? Are you particularly disappointed? Are you Southgate out? Are you Southgate in? <laughs> are you surprised? You know, is, is this kind of what you expected?
1: I think, to be honest, yeah, it is fairly similar, and and like like the the big questions that people are asking are are about <coughs> Tamori, Phillips, Gallagher, Wilson. Really, they're kind of they're they're the questions, and I I think we like as we've said, we kind of I I get it. I don't really have any problem with the midfield. I think Tamori's like we've said is more of a previous error than an error in this squad. And the Wilson wouldn't be our choice, but again, isn't the biggest mistake in the world. I don't think this is an outrage. There isn't a lot I would change, and it, I didn't expect a lot different. I I don't feel very positively about Southgate, and I expect this, personally, I expect this to be his last tournament. Mm. Um, I I would be surprised if he lasts beyond it, and unless we were to win it. Uh, even then, it wouldn't surprise me if he were to step down. Um, I kind of finish on a high, I yeah I I don't think it's that bad. I I'm more con my 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 big concern is how we're going to line up and how we're going to play rather than the squad of players itself because it, it's fairly solid to be honest.
0: Yeah, completely agree with that. I think the only the only thing that really I would actively think should be changed is yeah Tomori coming in for either Cody or Dyer, and I think probably Cody just for the sake of the fact that Dyer. Dyer being able to step into midfield is probably useful for, for one thing. Yeah, I, I for for the for those that obviously all of you that don't have the the visual cues here, Callum just pulled a very angry face at me about that, that <laughs> suggestion. But if we were really desperate, there is the option for Eric Dyer, I guess. Um and also Eric Dyer having played quite a lot in a back three, if we're gonna do that a bit, I guess that makes sense as a central option. Um Cody has sort of done that before. Generally speaking, I just sort of think I prefer Eric Dyer slightly. Um, but you know I I think it's six or one half dozen of the other isn't it and I think Tomori should have been in there for one of them it doesn't really matter which of them but that's the only thing that I would sort of actively change as you say Gallagher a bit surprised but at the same time don't really have an alternative I guess in terms of some of the other players I mean who, who, who could have come in I guess Bowen there's Sancho don't really know what Sancho's fitness is like at the moment he's sort of been ill for a while but I imagine he would have been fit for the World Cup but you know, he hasn't played much for Man United this year. He's not exactly looked great. I'm not sure that's all his fault, but it's a shame because I quite like him as a player, but I don't think he's done enough to be in this World Cup squad. As for Bowen, again, I think he's you know, West Ham are struggling a bit. I don't think he's flying as much as um he was last year. And I think that ultimately it was probably between him and Madison when push came to shove. And I think that Madison will offer more for us in this tournament. So I think that makes complete sense. Right. So I think if that covers off our sort of general opinions on the squad next thing to do is to have a little look at what our ideal starting 11s would be so before you kind of give me yours cal what what are you thinking with this is this is this how you line up against um iran is this kind of how you'd line up in every game is this how you'd line up in just sort of most games with a little bit of flexibility for some opponents like
1: um. So I I I've really I've gone for our strongest eleven. I would shift this yep. a little bit against Some teams I, I'm not opposed to the the three at, at the back. I am opposed to the five mm. at the back. Um, it's, di- it's different. I I think the three at the back is one of the most sacking formations in in world football. My my only issue with it at international level is the vast majority of good teams that play three at the back at any level at any level of sort of the good team in their relevant division <coughs> they, ro- they rotate a lot you have you play um, you have a, a, a wide centre back who is able to play as a full back and you have wingers who are able to play as a wing back you you shift whether you're you're a three or a four depending on whether you're in possession or not um, and you can't drill that into an international team you, you you simply don't have the time that isn't how international football works which is why I've gone. I've gone for a four. I, I get it. I get that sometimes we might need to, but I just don't think it is as fluid as it as it can be at um, national level. So I've gone Pickford in goal, which we've already discussed. Um, Trippier, White, Stones, and
0: Shaw. Right. So yeah, we're exactly the same on those first five. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's too much you can argue there, right? I guess the, the question is whether Southgate still views Maguire as a starting centre-back. I think there's a good chance that he chooses Maguire over White in that situation. And I guess there's... The legitimisation I can see for that is that White hasn't really played at centre-back this year. That would be my only concern. is that White has obviously been playing at right-back for, for Arsenal, so you know, a, you know, they're professional football players. He's a centre-back by trade, but if you've spent half a year playing right back and then you're asked to play centre back at a major tournament, that is an adaption. Uh, there are some question marks over how well that might go. Uh, but otherwise, I think, yeah, given Trippier's season that he's had this year, also his ability from set pieces, I think he's a no brainer right now at right back, especially since Walker has struggled a little bit with injury. So I don't know exactly how fit Walker's going to be at the start of the tournament. And then, as you say, Luke Shaw with his left foot at left back makes more sense than moving someone like Trippier over uh, to then put you know, Trent or Walker in on the other side I think that a good balance of attacking prowess and also probably some of our better defensive options as well I think arguably maybe Walker's a better defender than Trippier I don't know but um, I think as I say given Walker's question- questionable fitness I think Trippier is a no-brainer.
1: Yeah no I, I agree I think you have summed it up well for the center backs i think for the right the right back i did some digging got some numbers mm. um well, just just it, it's difficult as well because walker has not played he's played out half the amount of games as um the other two uh and he they all play in very very different systems so mm. it's really really hard to compare the numbers actually um, because they, they all three of them have such different roles within their respective very different systems. Um, attacking wise, Walker's nowhere near the other two. Um, so they've got on um, uh, shots created per ninety. Trippier and Trent are both four point. Uh, so Trippier is four point two three, Trent is four point two nine. There's basically no difference there. <coughs> um, but then you go expected assists. Trippier is almost double Trent. Uh, 4.3 against 2.2. Walker on 0.2, which, like, numerical ones rather than per 90 are kind of irrelevant when Walker's not played that much. Pass accuracy, Trent and Trippier are very, very similar with 73.6 and 71.9. Tackle percentage versus dribblers, um, Trippier's 53.6, Trent's 50. Uh, Walker's also 50, but I, I don't think that's fair because that's so for, for Trippier, it's 15 out of 28 trent it's 10 out of 20 walker it's two out of four i you know i hmm. not, not large enough sample size to compare sure. there so kind of on the question of is it Tri- trippier or walker the better defender i do think walker's the better defender and in a game where we are if he's fit uh, and on form in That's a game a where question, we're gonna have less possession and they're attacking and running down the wing at us a lot all for walker but i i i i, I just don't know some of the question yeah. the answers to those questions um attacking, it's very, very tight between Trippier and Trent. Trent is by far the worst defender, both by metrics and watching him play, where you can't... There isn't really a metric for positional awareness. Mm. You you just kind of watch and see that he has none, and I don't yeah. know don't know what that solution is. I know some people play him, say play him in midfield. Absolutely not for England at a World Cup. Absolutely not. Fine, try it, Liverpool. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that if you can convert him into a midfielder. Great. Um... But, no.
0: <laughs> just yeah.
1: that, that sums it up, really. No.
0: Yeah, I don't want to get too deep into the Trent debate. Um, I think, obviously, he's yeah. got some deficiencies defensively. I think some of that is system-wise. I think um, a lot of his attacking output is because he's playing at right-back, so I don't think he'd be able to replicate that in midfield, let alone do the off-the-ball stuff in midfield. So I think that would be a concern. But ultimately, I just don't think, given his form, he is a starting player for england right now and that's okay i think he's a good option off the bench and i think he can be very creative if we give him the right opportunity in the right game so just out of interest what would you do if we were playing a back five so i mean so
1: ultimately we haven't mentioned him but i am really gutted that reese james is injured because he is a quality quality player and actually is one of the best players it would be one of the best players in the team um he's he's better attacking and defending than any of the others. He's very, very fast. He's aggressive. He's strong. I was really, really disappointed. Of all the players who are out, I, like he he's the one who I'd want the most. Uh, in, in a five, I I'd probably I'd probably bring Maguire in. Um, I would put him as yeah, I, I would bring Maguire in. I'd put him as that wide left centre-back, um, white on the right, stones in the middle. Again, I'd still play Sure and Trippier, I I can see the argument for Walker as a right centre back, but again, it, it's fitness dependent. I think I prefer three actual centre backs and then attacking wing backs. Personally. Yeah,
0: and I think the thing with Walker, a lot of what he's good at is those recovery runs. And I think if he's not fit or not 100% fit, then he's if he's lost a you know a yard of pace, then he's kind of doesn't have his superpower anymore, right? So yeah, I agree with that. And I think White's been so good that. He's such a natural outside right centre-back in a back three that I I think he'd be brilliant there. It makes complete sense. So yeah, I would do that. The only thing I might actually change is when, I think if we were to play a back three, I would really like to see Trent given an opportunity as a wing-back, just because I think that that would give him a bit more freedom. I'd be interested to see if that works. Again, don't know whether I'd start him there. I don't really want to start with a five anyway, but... I do think that that's a situation where the the Trent thing could work. And if that was to happen, then I'd be a bit more comfortable playing Trippier on the left-hand side if he was playing as a wing-back. Because then I think that his, the kind of lack of a left foot in build-up is less important if he's playing a little bit further forward. Um, So I think there'd be an argument for that. Um, But, you know, I think that's by the by. I think probably you'd end up doing a very similar thing. And as you say, yeah, just bring Maguire in. Um right go on to midfield then give me your midfield 3.
1: Yeah so midfield I've got Rice Bellingham and I put Madison. Oh, I put Madison slash Foden because I, I I would go Madison. um and I know Foden's been on the right a lot but I do really like him as a player creatively um I I I'm going towards Madison just cuz he plays that position better my only my only thing about Foden is I'd like him in the team um but <sighs> I was, I'm thinking about shoe wanting him into the wrong position. It's really not the best idea. Right, yeah. Rice, Bellingham, Madison.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I I don't think I'd play Foden centrally. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't. I think, I think a lot of his creativity comes because he's given a little bit more space. He's, he's good at carrying the ball. I think you want to get him isolated against players. So I'd be a bit concerned about playing him uh, in midfield, I guess, as a, te- as a 10 maybe but yeah I, I'm I'm more I'm more inclined to play him wide if you're going to play him um, so yeah so I, I, I would go Rice Bellingham as well and I'd go for that as a sort of pivot you're obviously asking Rice to do a bit more sitting but I think Bellingham showed um, it was a friendly match against Germany that he started alongside Rice wasn't it and we played the five mm. and he played so we played in the double pivot there playing basically the, the kind of Phillips role but his own interpretation of it and I thought he was excellent and I think he demonstrated that he can do the hard graph going backwards as well as getting forward and helping with the attacking as well so I think that playing him in a double pivot playing him as a sort of eight slash six slash ten like he can do it all he's truly box to box so I think he, he makes a lot of sense to sit next to Rice and you just sort of ask Rice to do a little bit more of that that deeper stuff and a bit more of that screening so I think that works I would still start mount um, I, I think It's it's purely for the off the ball stuff. Um, The fact that he continues to start for Chelsea consistently through manager changes, he consistently starts for England. He is he is one of those kind of tactically astute players. He takes instruction very well. Um, His pressing is extremely good. Um, He might not, and you know, I, I I think he is quite creative, sort of quietly, and he can be a goal threat. I think. I don't know, he's one of those that I think is a bit understated. I have been a little bit disappointed with him at times, but I still just think that ultimately he gives us the right sort of balance in that position, Um, more so than I think you'd get from playing Madison there or Foden there. Um, Tough to leave Madison out given his form, but I just don't think... I don't think he quite fits the role that England have for that midfield player in the same way, and I think that we might be a little bit susceptible... Going the other way, if he was to play there, there's a reason to for me. There's a reason that Madison has been playing on the right for Leicester recently. And I think that's because it gives them a little bit more freedom without some of the expectation that playing centrally would have. Also, Leicester want to stack that midfield a little bit more. Um, so I would be a bit concerned about playing him centrally. I'd want to, uh, well, I'm a bit concerned, not necessarily concerned about playing him centrally, but concerned about starting him centrally um, and some of the impact that that might have on our defensive work. So. So yeah, I'd go. I'd go with Mount to start with, uh, with Madison sort of probably fir- first change off the bench. Um, yeah, you know, particularly if we were looking for a goal.
1: Yeah, no, totally agree. I, I, I don't disagree with any of the points you're saying. I just I don't know. I want him to start because I, I do really like him as a player no, as he's well, he's and, and I fun. I enjoy watching him play. And I always forget how young he is as well. Mm. <clears throat> I like it's twenty five, and he's I, he's obviously overperforming at the moment, but like I don't know how good he could be. I don't he'll, really know what his yeah. ceiling is.
0: He'll get a move I think uh, whether mm. that's January or whether that's summer. I think I th- I, I think he's on the way out. It's going to be a case of which club I think takes a bit of a stab on him, but I think he'll be good. Right, let's uh let's go through the wingers then.
1: Yeah, so I've got uh Saka on the right and Sterling on the left, which I'll justify in a moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, no worries. So I'm I'm I've I've gone with Foden on the right and Sterling mm. on the left. Um, okay. I I'm a coin flip, really, between Saka and Foden. To be honest with yeah. you, uh, you know why have you why have you gone for Saka? So uh,
1: I, I he's been in very very good form this season, as has Foden. But he get mm. obviously the the pep rotation. Um, I've enjoyed that a little bit. As one of my main rivals in fantasy Premier League has backed him a couple of times, and I haven't. <laughs> and I'm really enjoying being top of most of my leagues this season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm in the t- top ten K going into the World Cup. It's great. Um, Huge. that that wasn't going unmentioned uh but saka yeah he he's he's been in really good form i think he's got a point to prove i think if i he's fast he's aggressive he's direct um i really really like him and i do i think i think he's the right sort of player with the right sort of attitude that he will he will remember the euros and what happened but it won't be in a it, it won't be in a bottling kind of way, it won't make him play. Some players can overplay when they have it like that. I think he has grown massively as a player since then. I think, I mean, if we were to get a penalty shootout, he'd be one the first to put his name forward for it. Um, I-, I don't doubt that for a second. He, I, I agree. I like Foden is the other option, but I just, I really, really like him. I like. I think we, we can lack a bit of pace, um, and he brings that. Um... Yeah. Why have you gone for Foden?
0: Um, Yeah. No. I. I think it's interesting. As I say, they're kind of a coin flip. I think at this point, their their numbers are incredibly similar. Um, Saka's played marginally more minutes. I think it's about two hundred more minutes or something like that. But uh, they both got ten goal contributions. Saka is six assists, four goals, and I think Foden is the other way around. So he's six goals and four assists, um, which actually surprises me because I think uh, I view Foden as being the more the more creative player, that it's a better passer. And I think the, the stats kind of back that up, that Foden is a little bit more efficient in the final third in terms of creating chances. Um, passes into the penalty, penalty box, passes that lead to shots. Um, you know, Foden is a little bit better than Saka at that, whereas Saka's is a little bit more... I guess individualistic. He's the sort of player that's going to stand a, a full back up and he's going to try and beat them. Whereas Foden, I think, is... I think a little bit more of a rounded player for me. Um, I think he can can more comfortably go either way. I think he he's a good finisher. He's a goal threat whilst also providing a lot of creativity. Um, he's a good dribbler as well as a passer. I think he's good coming inside as well as staying wide. Um, I think that flexibility that a lot of Guardiola players have about being able to play across a number of positions, Foden being comfortable on the right, the left, also kind of coming centrally as well. Um, it's something that I don't think is to be sort of downplayed either in terms of when you're trying to sort of pick pockets in deep-lying defences. So yeah, I think that's why I'd go for that. But I think it's it's a funny one because I do think it's a coin flip. I think Saka is perceived right now as having had the probably the better season. But I think, you know, digging through the numbers just a little bit, I think you see it actually. There's not really much between them at all. And Foden has a little bit more quietly had a very, very good year. Uh, well, half a year, probably more. Just a sort of personal aesthetics thing, really, that's made me pick Foden. And perhaps the fact that he's scored more goals helps. Uh, you know, having having more goal threats in the team, I think is I think is good. So, yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be angry either way. To be honest with you.
1: No, I agree. And and I I guess Sterling on the left. He's not had the best season mm. of his life, but he's joined a new club, he's, he's got a new manager now, it's, it's, they're a club right now in transition, no. he's been great for England, he's been a one of his yeah. best players, if not the best player for the past. Well, yeah,
0: almost every time when people have sort of doubted whether he should be in the squad in the starting eleven, he's turned up for England. I mean, the Euros was a prime example of that, he was a little bit out of favourite City, but came in and, you know... Oh, was probably our, our most important player. I thought Kane had not such a great time, and I think Sterling probably became our most important player and um, our most obvious attacking outlet. So um, I think yeah. you've got you've got to start him. And also, given the you know, regardless of the concerns at Chelsea right now, I, I still think he's been. I, I still think he's been fine. I think yeah. he's been okay. Like uh, I think he still created a fair amount. He still managed to get on the score sheet a couple of times. So. Yeah, I, I think he'll be okay. And I think I think him and Kane work really well together as well. I think that he's just about the closest thing that we have available to us to being to Kane what Son is to Kane at Tottenham. I think Sterling can do quite a lot of that playing off him really well. And uh, again, just quite a quite a dynamic player, Sterling. Um, incredible goal threat. Gets into positions really well, even if his finishing isn't always tip-top. He's consistently in the right areas and scores a lot of goals that you sort of just can't miss you know he's constantly getting those sort of chances and his uh ball carrying is you know elite so um yeah, yeah i think it, i think it's obvious and i don't really know what the other option are because it's Grealish issues barely playing and not looking incredible looking a bit sort of mundane at the moment even if his underlying numbers are okay and then rashford who i think just isn't as good frankly uh you know despite having an all right season coming back from his injury that he had, I think Sterling is the uh, mm. the outstanding pick there. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And then I think, obviously, it's Kane up front, right? Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. absolutely no no argument there. Um, there's nothing to say. <laughs> no, no, that you don't need to justify that, do you? Um, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on Kane going into the World Cup, though? Obviously, he's going to be our biggest goal threat, good opportunity. You know, I think, obviously, you need someone like Kane playing well if you're going to do well at the tournament. Are you happy with the sort of form he's in going into this?
1: yeah he's just started picking up it would, if you'd have asked me a month two months ago i'd have been not concerned but you prefer them to go in on form and he has started scoring recently even when he's not scoring he's playing well i think that's often an overlooked element of his game it's like his creativity and the balls he plays um i he, he is top three strikers in the world um you make a very fair case for him being the best the, and and he, he's shown time and time again he can actually hack the pressure. Um, despite being a Spurs player, he doesn't doesn't bottle it. He um he has he can cope with the hopes of the nation on his shoulders because he knows if he doesn't play well we don't win anything and if he does play well we absolutely could.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Cannot argue with that at all. The only concern with a player like Kane is probably his off the ball stuff, is pressing. Um but ultimately I think at international football level, I don't think you need your kind of striker doing that much of a hard graft I think that again that's one of the reasons why I put someone like Mount in the team as well just to sort of help him out with some of that off the ball stuff so we can have players behind him and around him that can kind of do some of his running for him as well so he can just yeah. sort of focus on the on the ball stuff but yeah he he's looking really good playing in a Conte side as well that's been struggling a bit he just he, he just can't stop scoring he's constantly scoring I think you know obviously only sitting behind um Haaland in terms of Premier League goals and, you know, that man is obviously abnormal, but also is getting much better service to him as well, which Kane obviously doesn't have. Um And 11 and 14, uh, which is what Kane's got, you can't argue with that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy actually, generally speaking, in terms of the form of the squad. I think most of the players that are going to be, you know, just looking at the starting 11s that we've got, which are pretty similar, but you know, all of the sort of twelve, thirteen that we would include um, in our starting eleven. I think are all in great form. You know, Trippier, White, having great time. Pickford's in good form. Rice is maybe the only one that's struggling a little bit, but Bellingham's playing well at the moment. Foden, Saka, and Kane. You know, I guess there's some concerns over. Yeah, it's only really Rice, Shaw, and Sterling. I guess where you might sort of have some question marks, but I don't even think they've been that bad. Um, so. Yeah, I th- I think we've got a good opportunity now at uh, Southgate, I guess, to to make these pieces work.
1: Mm, absolutely. And if you wanna hear how exactly we think Southgate's gonna do, uh where where you think where we think we're gonna finish the group, how far England are gonna get to go, how far everyone else is gonna get to go, um make sure you tune in this time next week.
0: Absolutely, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh do you wanna just shout out the socials as well, Cal?
1: Yeah, at EAFC underscore podcast on Twitter um it's everyone's a football critic podcast on facebook um, and it's the same at on instagram
0: excellent stuff well i'm looking forward to talking to you again next week callum and i hope everyone that listens to this enjoys it and will join us again next week where we preview the tournament thank you very much see you next week